You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European-level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode number 49. I'm your host, Andres Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Jelana Levin and Pontus Böckmann. Sziasztok! Всем привет! Hey, son, hey, son! How are you? Very well, thank you. You? Yay! Happy birthday to us! Happy birthday, Happy birthday to us! To Yay! Us. <laughs> yeah, it's it's over now. It was on the oh, 18th, okay. actually. Short. It was in the, on the 18th. But that means we've been doing this for more than a year. Yay! It it didn't feel like it, actually. I was like, what? Already? A year? What happened? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it's it, crazy, it flew by. isn't it? Yeah. It flew by so quickly, it, because because fun was had by all, definitely. Yeah, very much so. Oh, how nicely put. <laughs> very much so. Yeah, but I think this is a good occasion to do a, a bit of a review of what we've done and uh, what we would like to achieve and mm. how we would like to go on. So, first of all, I think... We would like to save the Earth. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. We would like to see world peace. <laughs> And small bunny rabbits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, pink bubbles flying around. And unicorns. Unicorns. We, we, yeah. shall, we st- shall we start small, though? Shall we start small, though, for now? Yeah, let's start by uh, helping others fight against pseudoscience. Then educate the public. That's an, another goal. Because what the ultimate goal is to to have everyone become critical thinkers. Yeah. Mm. It's not going to be achieved anytime soon, but uh, we still have to work towards it. Well, we, we'll give it another year. We'll give it another year. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely another year. And if it doesn't happen by the end of that year, then we're going to give it another year and another year and another year. <laughs> yeah, this is episode 49. So we're coming up to 50. But we've had more than 30 interviews. That's major interviews, right? That's major interviews. Yeah. I think it's uh, more than 40 when we when we count every single interview, uh, short ones as well, like uh, our reports from QED. It brings a number up to more than 50, I think. Mm. But the people interviewed on the show, on the, the different episodes, represent 20-odd countries, mm. which is something that I think we, we should be really proud of. Yeah. Because what we've tried to do with that is... To show how diverse the skeptical playground is across Europe, uh, how many different people are fighting against pseudoscience and trying to make a change in the world for the better, and uh, how many different organizations are there doing that and, and providing all the help to skeptics necessary. And uh, we are going to continue that line of uh, interviews because... We want to give an opportunity to as many people doing the hard work of of skeptical activism as possible from across Europe. And uh, it's not necessarily only Europe, because uh, we are trying to keep the European angle, that's for sure. But uh, there are others who are more or less involved, uh, partly because they are part of the international network of skeptics, partly because they have some special connection to European skepticism or Europe. Um, so this is this is how we interviewed, for example, uh, James Randi, uh, we interviewed Susan Gerbic, um, and we plan to interview uh, some other people from uh, America, Australia, and uh, other corners of the world. So 
Yeah, but we are st- we're still going to try and keep the European angle. And I think we're still going to keep the, the mix between some of the people that we interview are very well known, at least within our sceptical yeah. community, but some of them are, are not at all known, and they're doing fantastic work behind the scenes. You know, people we talk with, uh, you know, in Romania, Turkey, Portugal, people who are doing a lot of work and don't get a lot of recognition. Yeah, that that is another goal. But we would like our show to be not only interesting in the sense that we try to promote people or try to, to make uh, the work of people known to as many people as possible, but we would like it to be a useful tool as well. So we would like our listeners to let us know if they have suggestions, recommendations as to what to include, what to get rid of possibly. Because uh, I, I can imagine a few things that that you, dear listeners, might find not particularly interesting and uh, that, okay, you, you, you are happy to live with that, but uh, in the long run, you think it's not necessarily the best part of the show. So please do let us know so that we can try to adjust. And uh, in a couple of days, probably um, with episode 50, uh, we're going to try and release um, an actual questionnaire that you can complete and uh, and we're going to use that to improve the show in the future. But in the meantime, if you want to share your ideas, suggestions with us, then please do get in contact. You can um, get in touch with us by emailing us. Our email address is info at theesp.eu or you can tweet us. Uh, our Twitter handle is at espodcast underscore eu. We've got a website. It's theesp.eu and you can complete a contact form on there or you can follow us on Facebook. Also, if you are subscribed to iTunes, please rate our podcast there. It helps us greatly and just follow our work it'll be great to hear from you yay the other thing that i i need to mention uh that has happened in the last year is the resurrection of the exo website which is the european council of skeptical organizations so and what happened was uh, gabor roshko who's, who's the chairman of exo uh, initiated uh, the, this resurrection of the website that was uh out of business for a while and uh, now it's alive. What you can see there is lots of news from different European countries gathered by skeptical activists of those countries and shared with everyone to see. Um, so if you go on uh, uh you will see all those news. And sometimes we, we even mention a few of those news because uh, there is an overlap, but uh, that shouldn't keep you from uh, reading that. So go on and check exo.org as well. So we'll keep doing this. You let us know what you think and uh, we'll try to improve the show to make it a much better tool for every skeptic out there, especially in Europe. Yeah, when it comes to European skepticism, do you guys read doubtful news at all? No, I have, you know, it was on hiatus for a while, so I, I stopped doing it. But I know it's back up and I've forgotten to check it out again. She wrote a very interesting piece uh, with the title Continue Me Must. US needs critical thinking advocates to step up and be heard. That's an important message. So uh, there, there is a lot of talk about um, the 
post-truth era yeah. to have come. And uh, that's a thing that we have to tackle. And not only in the US. Yeah, when you think about what's going on in Europe, the most obvious thing about that is uh, Brexit. Um, but there are others. There are countries where uh, silly ideas and and anti-intellectualism is gaining more and more ground by the day. And there are upcoming elections in several European countries, major European countries like France, where extremist ideas and and parties are getting more and more support. So it's becoming more and more important for critical thinkers to try and advocate for for a more widespread critical thinking in the public. And uh, we have to find the tools to get the message across because we are losing this this fight. I know I know we shouldn't we probably shouldn't think of it as a fight but think of it as an education. But still, for, for many of us, it really feels like a fight because we seem to be losing this. Uh, I do recommend that article, and based on that, I think it's uh, definitely not only the US. We all have to stand up. We all have to have our, our ideas and, uh, and voices heard. Because if not, that's what happens. When pseudonews and absolutely bogus claims can get away with it without even being questioned that's not the way to go uh, the f- the future is is very bright if we are uh, ready to be critical thinkers and we are ready to uh, stick to what's real what the facts are instead of just playing uh with the emotions of people to g- gain support so yeah in order to do that why not start the show Yay. <laughs> so, here it goes. Episode number 49. And, as usual, we're going to start the show with the segment called On This Day, presented by Yelena Levin. I'd like to talk about uh, somebody who was born on the 21st of November, 1694. And his name was Francois-Marie Arouet. Uh, he was better known by his pseudonym Voltaire. And he was a French uh, Enlightenment writer, historian and philosopher. Uh, very famous for his wit and his attacks on the established Catholic Church. He also uh, advocated for freedom of religion, freedom of speech and separation of church and states. All the good things. But um, I want to talk about something that I didn't know before. Um, kind of lesser known fact about him. Um, he apparently popularized Isaac Newton's work in France by arranging a trans- uh, translation um, of uh, Newton's work, Principia Mathematica, to which he added his own commentary. And um, the work of translation was da- done by the Marquise de Châtelet, who was one of his mistresses. But Voltaire's commentary breached the gap between the non-scientists and uh, Newton's ideas at the time in France, uh, when the pre-Newtonian views of uh, Descartes were still prevalent. Um, and although um, Voltaire was a philosopher, he advocated uh, rational analysis. And um, I see him um, actually as a um, similar to kind of what we do, skeptic uh, and somebody who is trying to spread skepticism in science um, into the masses and trying to bridge that gap. Yeah. I'm... And uh, and I was, I was very pleased that that's what he was doing. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm sure mm-hmm. if he would, if he lived today, he would have a podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Imagine that, Volte, Volte podcast. Yeah. Um, so here we go. Um, it's great to be amongst such big names like Voltaire, you know, trying to promote science and skepticism. So, is it known where the name Voltaire comes from? Actually, the origins are unclear, but he was known uh, during his lifetime for using at least 178 separate pen names. Wow! <laughs> I don't know why he had to disguise himself so uh, much, but there you go. It's like creating 178 different Facebook profiles. Yeah, <laughs> it was a more dangerous time back then, mate. Uh, possibly, and for his... Yeah, it's still against the Facebook uh, guidelines. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he didn't care. <laughs> Well, he was anti-establishment, so yeah, of course, he probably wouldn't have even been on Facebook, to be fair. <laughs> Is Facebook the establishment today? I think so. I think it's becoming more and more like a, yeah. uh, like a little, little government that tries to control and collect information and, and promote certain things. Yeah, Could be argued, yeah. And by the way, Facebook is being uh, attacked because of uh, those algorithms that generate our yeah. uh, news feeds. Yeah. Because they, they generate a kind of an echo chamber. So yeah, that's a that's a recent thing, and I think it's re- a really valid argument that it shouldn't ha- be happening. Very much so. But I I don't think Voltaire uh, could be accused of uh, being very short sighted and uh, one sided. No, he was in his views. He was anything yeah. but. Yeah. All right, great. And he was born on, the, on uh, November the twenty first. He was. Oh, wonderful. And uh, yeah, he lived a very long life. Yeah, how, how how old was he? He was eighty three when he died, which by these by standards at the time, I think was pretty yeah. pretty great, really. Yeah, it's a pretty old age, mm. even today. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much, Yelena. All right. And uh, I think this means that we are going to move on to our next segment, which is events across Europe. Why don't we start with Glasgow skeptics in the pub? Ash Price will talk about how to be a psychic con man. Well, please don't. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, let's uh, let's not teach kids that. <laughs> it's a very important thing to know that, but don't don't become one. Actually, this is this is a skeptical thing, isn't it? That we know all the different ways that people are conning other people and how people are being cheated, but but we're not doing it them ourselves. We are kind of losers in that regard. Yeah. Ah, stupid idiots we are. Okay, uh, but there are other stupid idiots across uh, Europe who are trying to advocate the same thing. So, yeah, let's move on to the next uh, group. Steel in Scotland, that's Edinburgh, where a film screening uh, will happen. A Scottish premiere of the film A Better Life. There is no God. Now what? That's how the the description starts. Those events, those two events, are all happening on Monday the 21st. And on Tuesday, the next day, Brighton, Skeptics in the Cafe will happen, hopefully, because uh, recently some events have been cancelled. Hope hope this doesn't get cancelled. So Brighton, Skeptics in the Cafe, Secrets and Lies, The Psychology of Belief in Conspiracy Theories, the talk given by Karen Douglas. Sounds interesting. It really looks like a, a, a very important and interesting topic. Kind of uh, stretching through the whole week, as you will see. On Wednesday, in Sweden, in Örebro, there is a 
talk called When Our Senses Betray Us with Peggy Rosmark. He is an illusionist, he's a conjurer, and I've seen him perform. He's, he's really funny and interesting to see. Uh, on the same day in Bristol, Kat Arney will talk about herding Hemingway's cats. So we've heard, heard about that before. And actually, if you cannot see her live, which I do recommend, of course, you can go back uh, to one of the uh, podcast episodes from the Edinburgh Skeptics, because they recorded her speech, so you can do that. But see her live if you can, that must be better. And you can go online and listen to The Naked, Naked Scientist, where she has a, a weekly segment called Myth Conceptions as well. <laughs> Absolutely. And on still on Wednesday in Eastbourne, uh, there will be a talk called Is Our uh, Reluctance to Address Ageism and Inactivity Ruining the NHS? So this is about uh, national health services in, uh, in the UK and the problems with it, I guess, when we're living longer, etc. On Thursday, the 24th of November, there'll be several events outside UK. Yay! First one is in Oslo, and it will be a Skeptics in the Pub social. And on the same day, the 24th of November, in Vienna, there will be a uh, award ceremony, Heinz Oppenheimer Award. The award will be given to James Randi which we're really excited about. And Pontus, later on, will tell us more about this. So, looking forward to that. Meanwhile, in Edinburgh, there will be Skeptic Cinema and Sci Screening uh, event. And they will be watching The Wind Rises. Is that a sci-fi movie? I have no idea. <laughs> but there you go. That's what they're doing. The Wind Rises. Um... And in Winchester on the same day, there will be a Skeptics in the Pub event. And it's actually, um, I'm very excited about that event uh, because I've, I've seen her talk at Science Festival uh, in London uh, with Joe Marchant, Cure, A Journey into the Science of Mind Over Body. And I cannot recommend it enough. Um, she's bringing very important points about the placebo effect and, uh, you know, how we should harness the way our brain works and uh, affects our body versus the the real, you know, uh, medicine and uh, etc. that we're using at the moment. So that's that's in Winchester. Yeah, and I'm halfway through her book. It's a brilliant book. Oh, I've got her. I've I've got her book Cure, and I haven't started it yet. I'm really looking forward to it. When I heard her talk, I'm like, oh my god, we need more people like her advocating these things because um at the moment there's it's very polarized you know you either on one side i.e yeah. you support it big big pharma and real medicine or you're on the other side homeopathy is the, the the god but we need to find the middle ground because there's a lot of stuff we don't know about the way our mind works and affects our body which is a genuinely exciting and stuff that we need to learn more about well, so, I, I would I would refrain from a generalization and say that we we should find the uh, the middle ground here. It's it's like um, the uh, it's what we should do is is we should not dismiss anything just offhand. Yeah, it's like that's right. And I think I think we're doing that now very much with with stuff that is could be potentially useful yeah. because it's wrapped in this package, you know. So we should be very very strict 
in what we uh, require as evidence um, to something to be working. But placebo is something to be understood very well and to be exploited yeah. to its maximum. Yeah. Because yeah. because it's just, if we just dismiss it, then we're losing, mm. uh, losing a lot of not only support, but... Uh, we are alienating everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and, and it's a useful tool as well. Yeah. And some of the studies she quotes were absolutely amazing, like great. We don't hear about that very often because obviously nothing came out of it. There's no new medicine developed or anything, but highly recommend her book your and definitely the event. Anyway, I'll move on to the last event on the same day, which will be happening in Aberdeen this time. And um, again, Skeptics in the Pub. And the theme is to frag or not to frag. Is that the question with Claire Bond? And that's it for the 24th. On Friday the 25th we go to Czech Republic in Prague where the Sisyphus Skeptics Club will have a talk by Bretslav Turecek. I think that's somehow how you pronounce that. And it's about Iran. It's called Iran the Axis of Evil Between the Desired Business Partners. So this is about, if I understand it correctly, the, the, the changed role of Iran which is still a theocracy and still a very important uh, business partner in these days and how that it creates a very interesting situation in the in the in the area on saturday the 26th of november you'll be able to find me andres and a couple of our good friends uh, in london goldsmith college for a seriously suspicious conference um it's a full day event all about conspiracy theories organized by none other that Chris French and his his group, yeah, awesome, excellent, brilliant, haha. <laughs> Looking forward to that. <laughs> oh, I wish I could be there. And uh, in Brussels, there will be a skeptics in the pop talk, and uh, not much detail revealed just yet. Uh, but we know that the speaker will be Jean-Jacques Herway. Sorry if I mispronounce the name. The talk's title is Jean-Baptiste van Helmont, Doctor or Imposter. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I have no idea who that was uh, <laughs> or is. So if someone else wants to, to find out, then go along. Brussels Skeptics in the Pub on the 26th of November. And that is all the events we know of in Europe. But we want to mention as well uh, a, a big event that happens in Australia because a lot of our friends will be there and uh, famous people. So this is the... Australian Skeptics National Convention in Melbourne. It is between the 25th, so start on Friday, 25th to the 27th of November. And the uh, people who will be there are uh, Lawrence Krauss, Harriet Hall, uh, our own Michael Marshall and a lot of other people. And the theme is good thinking. So I know that Marsh will hold the opening speech, of course, linking to the work of the Good Thinking Society in the UK. I don't think uh, talking about uh, skeptical activism anywhere in the world uh, can be complete without mentioning the Good Thinking Society anymore. It's just <laughs> correct, correct. It's just not not possible. They they really they're really yeah growing rapidly, and I think there should be a Good Thinking Society in every country. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's do that. <laughs> yeah, and I think I forgot to mention. I think there are still a few tickets left if you want to go if you're in the neighborhood. Yeah, it's still still almost a week to go. Hey, if only we could jump on a plane, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, there are attempts to build another very, very fast plane. 
I think it was uh, Richard Branson. Oh, yeah. Who came up with the idea again with a, a passenger plane capable of uh, flying at a speed of 2.2 max, which is quite a high speed. <laughs> so so can you give us like an estimation how fast you can get from London to New York at the moment it's like six or seven hours I think I think with the Concorde which was a, uh, which was capable of a similar speed it was about an hour and a half sweet so or close closer to two hours I'm not sure but that's what I remember so yeah within four hours you could be in Australia marvelous <laughs> you might feel you might feel a little sick of from over pressure whatever <laughs> no not necessarily all right so we're not going to australia just yet <laughs> i think we can establish that but uh yeah we're looking forward to hear from uh, from what's what's going on over there at the australian skeptics national convention yeah thank you very much guys okay cooks. let's talk about what's going on here in europe So let let's start the news uh, with some good news um, in these dark ages, and this is that we hear from uh, the Norwegian skeptics that they are uh, uh, relaunching their organization called Skepsis. We know that the Norwegian skeptics movement is very healthy, and they have a lot of activities going on anyway. They have a podcast called Pinch of Salt in Norwegian, which I follow, which is excellent, and there are skeptics in the pub meetings. But the actual organization has been dormant for a while. But uh, there are rumors now that they will reboot the organization after a few years of hiatus. So we hope to hear more about that soon. Awesome. I will briefly just talk about the um, article that um, our good friend Edzard Ernst posted on his blog recently, uh, beginning of November, about the homeopathy in Czech Republic. And um, he's starting it by saying that it would be wrong to call Czech Republic the promised land of homeopathy, which is, I found quite amusing. But um, apparently there isn't much uh, research done by Czech authors that relate to homeopathy, which I view as a good thing. And it had a really tough time there um, in the recent history um, because during and I didn't know that and I thought oh that's one good thing came out of it during the communist era between 1948 and 89 homeopathy was prohibited mm. and I'm thinking well if nothing else that was a really good thing that they did <laughs> and um, until 1991 no books about homeopathy were available in Czech language at all but apparently more recently um, the whole thing exploded and there was about 20 t more titles were published by various publishing houses. And um, now I think what people kind of sussed really quickly is the fact that you can get rich by doing not much, by selling water basically. Um, and of course, like anywhere else, uh, Czech Republic has got their own fair share of charlatans. Um, and homeopathy evidently became more popular. And uh, now the, the uh, number of homeopathic remedies sold in Czech Republic rose by over 50% during the past 15 years. That's a huge number. Um, and of course, they're becoming increasingly uh, expensive. And now there are homeopath uh, doctors who charge extortionate prices uh, for their to, to visit them. And I mean, even though the physicians there still quite cynical about homeopathy and its practitioners um so they're saying homeopathics are perfect drug 
the manufacturing is dirt cheap and they sell for 60 crowns, which is um, $1 is 24.8 crowns. And I know it doesn't sound a lot, but actually in Czech Republic, you know, this, it, it counts as, as money, you know, not cheap money. Um, they cannot be forged because the fake have the same effect as the original product. Um, and uh, and that what makes them so attractive to charlatans. So there is a real worry there now that it's it spreads like a wildfire. Um, but uh, we have to uh, stay vigilant. And um, I think uh, currently the Czech Republic Ministry of Health, their standing is against homeopathy, although it's somewhat ambiguous because uh, this is here is the press release. Um, stating their views. Although the Ministry of Health of the Czech Republic does not perceive the evidence uh, base for homeopathy to be strong enough yet, this does not prevent doctors from utilizing this if it is desired and appropriate, which can be interpreted whichever way you like. Um, and Erdzert uh, ends concluding his article by saying, because the use of homeopathy cannot ever be considered to be appropriate this declaration could arguably be interpreted by those who insist on evidence as the new prohibition of homeopathy in Czech Republic. Mm. But I believe it's a very ambiguous statement. So. Yeah, uh, It's good that we have an active uh, skeptic organization in, in Czech Republic. So this is more work for Claire uh, Klingenberg and, and the Sisyphos group. Yeah, yeah. indeed. Yeah, but I think uh, those claims, like homeopathy, could be tested uh, for the for the Sisyphus Prize as well. Uh, when you think about uh, things like uh, trying to find someone who can distinguish between two homeopathic remedies without the label being on them, so if that can happen, if someone can tell you that, or uh, that would be worth a prize, and uh, I think there could be ways to figure out how to test that. By the way, trial and uh, testing stuff. Uh, we've talked a lot about uh, old trials. And uh, that's the, the campaign, the international campaign originating from the United Kingdom, run by uh, Sense About Science and uh, initiated by Ben Goldacre, that aims at uh, pharmaceutical trials or drug trials to be absolutely transparent. And transparency is the key. Um, and... This is why they launched a new automated clinical trials tracker that's called Trials Tracker, um, <laughs> interestingly. <laughs> and <laughs> what it does is it identifies trials on the world's largest clinical trial register, clinicaltrials.gov, and uh, tries to identify those that haven't published results within two years after completion of the, end, uh, of the trial. And uh, the numbers are absolutely shocking. On average, there are 45.2% of trials uh, conducted uh, by major sponsors during uh, that last decade that are missing results, mm. which is mm. absolutely mind-blowing. They, they've been following trials dating back to January 2006. And since then, major trial sponsors completed 25,927 eligible trials. And out of that, they haven't published results for 11,714 of them. That is, that is just terrible. Uh, there is even once one uh, trial sponsor that has never published results for any of their trial. <laughs> and I have to say the name, that's Rambaxi Laboratories Limited. It's 
out of 35 trials they they conducted uh, the results for 35 are missing that's a hundred percent yeah so and I... there are not only pharmaceutical companies that's the interesting part because that's what you would expect yeah. you would think but no there are even universities medical centers that are not willing to publish their results so so do one know why this is is it because they didn't finish the study or it because they got the wrong result no wrong in, in no uh, it's probably because the, 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 one of the ways of uh, hiding uh, non-desired results is not publishing them at all so it's like when it's when it's put in a drawer uh then then no one will know about it but this is this is why old trials is pushing for um a need for pre-registering that's already happening by the way so they have to pre-register every every single trial by now as far as i know but uh they still try to avoid publishing details or, or, or results if they are not the desired outcomes and there are a few that are absolutely amazing in terms of transparency for example colgate palmolive they have published almost all their trials uh, johnson and johnson pharmaceutical almost all their trials it's like five percent three percent uh missing that's that's a very good result and there is only one among this uh all the sponsors registered that has published every single trial result and that is shia which is a jersey registered irish headquartered global uh, biopharmaceutical company and uh they published all their results which means 96 trials well so well done yeah that's a good example to follow <laughs> indeed i'll add the, sh- uh, the link to the show notes because it's an interesting read you should probably uh, scroll through it uh very interesting that's uh, trials tracker check it out this is something that got brought to our attention again by uh, Edzard Ernst, and it's about a um, homeopathy course at one of the Germany's leading medical schools, which is quite disappointing, really. Apparently, um, one of the leading universities in Germany now um, running an elective course of homeop- in homeopathy. And some of the uh, things that they offer is a homeopathy in neonatology or in insomnia uh, or bipolar disease or supportive cancer care or pediatric asthma i mean these are all things that you know this course claims homeopathy can cure uh, which is horrifying in itself and this course is actually led um, or, or the whole project was initiated by real doctors who have real experience so there was dr mira dorsey ulrich I'm probably completely butchering the name, who initiated the project and carries out the supervision. She is a pediatrician in her own practice with 23 years of experience. Then there's Dr. Sigrid Cruz, residence for pediatrics. Now she fulfills the requests of doctors and parents in the wards demanding concomitant homeopathic treatment. And uh, Dr. Christina Lukai mainly treats the outpatients while focusing on his research projects with children showing attention deficit syndrome. So <clears throat> three real doctors set up this uh, project that offers this course. And um, uh, it's actually uh, been taught in a children's hospital, um, children's hospital of LMU, um, which makes it even worse, I think. How how did they arrive to this conclusion? Nobody knows. But are they claiming um, 
in their little pamphlet that advertises uh, the, the homeopathic um, course that the homeopathic therapy was successful in the following cases. Intracerebral bleeding third degree in premature babies, drug withdrawal in neonates addicted mothers, epilepsy, handicapped children, ADHS, migraines, tick, recurrent infections, asthma, and atopic enzyme. Now, these are really serious claims. None of these claims were backed up by any evidence or any trial that ever was done to, to support this. And um, the, uh, the, the whole thing was um, advertised and pushed by a one journal, which I am not surprised to say uh, is a general homeopathic newspaper in Germany, um, Allgemeine Homeopathische Zeitung, if I... Again, butchered that, sorry for my pronunciation. I think it's important for us to be reminded, after all the uh, success in, in the UK with the Good Thinking Society, we, it's good to get these reminders that homeopathy is not beaten at all. It's very yeah. alive and well in many countries. Yeah, and what again, what, what's been uh, sort of noted uh, by Ed at Ernst in his article is that um, of course, courses like this one run at university level that make one speechless and, uh, you know, on some level, on some level, very angry. And medical schools should have other roles than teaching impressionable students things that fly into the face of science and evidence. They should guide them to become responsible doctors, not misguide them to turn into responsible quacks. Um, and, of course, what really upsets me is how real doctors who've gone through the whole training who know what what it's all about and how actually the real medicine work can promote stuff like that especially for kids especially in children's hospital mm. it's um it's, you have to be a, a, a special kind of evil person to do that um but yeah but then um in germany there there are very good efforts um, against all that and uh, one of them is uh, the INH it's uh, the Information Network Homeopathy and uh, the Science Council of uh, GVUP and they, they actually um, issued an open letter and an opinion piece against homeopathy being taught uh, at LMU which is yeah Ludwig Maximilian University of Munich yeah, and uh, there are a lot of uh, signatures of uh, professors, including Edzard Ernst. Yeah, I think he put, he linked to this letter as well, the open letter. And uh, Natalie Grams as well, and mm. Amardeo Sarma. It's interesting, three people out of those um, giving their signature to that open letter have been on our show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah. So this is not over. H have I told you about um, the the professor who I interviewed him at the Hungarian Skeptics Conference? He's one of the best known skeptics uh, in Hungary these days, fighting against uh, pseudoscience and quackery. And uh, he told me during that interview that uh, on some occasions he was treated very badly and abused at conferences where he spoke against homeopathy. And those were conferences for doctors, for for medical doctors and university professors. Yeah, no, but you heard Natalie Grams in in her interview, uh, our interview with her. Is, they don't teach 
doctors, critical thinking, or real medicine in in the in the yeah. university. They they see homeopathy as just another kind of medicine. Yeah, because they don't know anything about it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. I mean, it's not all right, but <laughs> yeah. All bad. So, shall we move on to Vienna? What's happening there, Pontus? All right. As uh, Jelena mentioned before, uh, James Rand is coming to Europe. So uh, I'd, I'd like to talk a little bit more about that. Uh, he's coming to collect uh, a prize in Austria, as we as we heard. Uh, until the other day, I had never heard about Heinz Oberhummer. H- have you heard of him before? Not me. Me neither. No? He was an Austrian cosmologist, theoretical physicist, and he was nominated for a Nobel Prize, actually, and as well as a humanist and a skeptic. Unfortunately, he died last year at the age of 74. Uh, he had the idea, he wanted to educate the public uh, by using scientific, scientific comedy live on stage. So he founded something he called the Science Busters. Or I, I assume this is translated from, from German. Recurring topics on stage were pseudoscience, religion and pseudomedicine and things like that. Oberhomer seems to have been quite a character. Among other things, he was fascinated with alpacas. Do you know what an alpaca is? It's an animal. It's, it's an a, animal? An animal, yes, from the Andes. Yeah. You make fur. Yeah, yeah. he mm-hmm. bred them. He had his own stable of alpacas. Uh, and it was discovered, and I don't think by him, that their excrement contains a special kind of bacteria, which is an extremophile. And they can stand high doses of radiation and other extreme condition. Uh, so uh, because this was so cool, uh, Oberhummer uh, always carried a small jar of alpaca dung with him as a funny talisman. <laughs> anyway, I thought that was just uh, funny. Interesting. So, so yeah, quite a character, as I said. Yeah. Uh, but since he died last year, the remaining of the science busters have created this science prize that uh, James Randi now is going to, to get. James Randi is the first person to receive this prize. It will be a yearly award. So on the 24th of November, uh, James Randi will come to Vienna. So uh, congratulations, Randy. He will be there in person to receive the prize. So if you are in Vienna, you may be able to see him. Oh, fuck. I'm not going to be there. No, too, too bad. But by the way, as part of the prize, James Randy will also receive his own very own little jar of alpaca excrement <laughs> as a little memento <laughs> of the late great Amazing. Heinz Oberhummer. <laughs> <laughs> I both think that James Randi ha- has ever been like given in his lifetime are just absolutely random. Fits well in his collection. Perhaps. Yeah, 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 yeah. Alpaca dung. But do you think uh, that's from uh, Oberhammer's uh, original piece of uh, alpaca dung? Uh, was it chopped up or? And is <laughs> no, it going to be? Was, he was breeding them, so so maybe he had he had a lot of it. I don't know. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. But I, I want to say also thank you to uh, Mikael Yakan who helped research this. We have mentioned Mikael before on the show. Uh, uh, over the last year, he started up the monthly humanist and skeptics meetings in Mostviertel in Austria. And mm. uh, he tells us now that they are starting to have quite a steady following. So good work. Great. Sounds good. Uh, you mentioned Randy. Um, a very good friend of Randy, uh, one of the apprentices of Randy, so to say, um, was Massimo Polidoro, whom yeah. we also oh, yeah, interviewed. Of yeah. And uh, 
Massimo uh, will have another book coming out very soon. Uh, and he's impossibly prolific. Um, but uh, now his new book uh, is called The Adventures of the Colosseum. And why I'm very, very happy about this is because there are so many myths and misconceptions uh, regarding the Colosseum uh, uh, spread uh, spread by those involved in the tourism industry. And as a, as a tour guide who used to, to work in Italy and in Rome indeed, so I, I have been to the Colosseum many, many times, uh, I'm really looking forward to that book to come out. And uh, because uh, he usually um, reads fiction or uh, or something that is in somewhere along the lines of fiction, but um, but this one uh, seems to be quite a factual one. So it's like like a, a, a documentary, but in in a very intriguing and. Uh, and uh, Massimo Polidoro-like style. But he also uh, wrote a book titled Investigating Mysteries. And I don't know if you remember that, but last year, sometime around November or December, we uh, started promoting uh, Chikop's Mystery Investigators course. Mm. Do you remember that? Yes, absolutely. Because they offer that every year. And uh, now is the time to enroll in that course if you're in Italy and you speak Italian because it's all, it's all going to be in Italian. And uh, the course uh, uh, will take place in uh, Padova um, and uh, starting in uh, January uh, through seven weekends. And uh, they accept 30 uh, submissions so uh, they can um, accommodate 30 people at a time. So if you're around there, if you can go along and if you can devote seven of your uh, weekends stretching from January to June, then make sure you apply in time. Um, it, it must be great fun and uh, all the different aspects of investigating mysteries, pseudoscience and uh, how people are trying to fool us uh, will, be, will be talked about. Uh, many, many great professors and uh, Italian skeptics will be involved by uh, giving lectures and stuff. So that sounds very, very intriguing. That's a great uh, thing. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I think it's about time for us to move on to yet another piece of our QED report. And since there is the Australian National Skeptics Convention going on this week, why don't we start with uh, our short interview with Aran Sagaf, president of the Australian Skeptics. We actually managed to find a quiet place um, because uh, a gentleman was uh, kind enough to interview us <laughs> for a pretty well-known show, which is the, the Skeptic Zone. And that gentleman is none other but uh, Aran Sagev, the president of the, the Australian Skeptics. I am. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I'm not sure congratulations are, uh, is the you right know, yeah. But First of all, it's been, it's been a while. Um, I was president from... 2009, 2012, then Richard yeah. was president for a couple of years <laughs> while I took a bit of a break. And then since 2014, 
Yeah, so it's, um, when, it, when it comes to skeptical activism, it's not the best thing to congratulate someone on something that, that is a pretty hard work for nothing. <laughs> and, and, and basically, the reason I'm the president is because nobody else would. So, <laughs> so um, no, it's, um, uh, you know, different people bring different things to, to different roles because we're all, we're all volunteers. So it's not like a, there's a job description and then if you fit the job description, then you get it. Basically, we're a group of people and we all have different skills and different... Uh, capabilities and we we do what we can so my thing is my, my by profession I'm a manager so what I try to bring to the organization is is management and of course Richard is much more into um, uh, PR and, and outreach and all of that so that's what he brought to the role but different people just bring different things and how do you like uh, QED QED is fantastic It's my second QED. I was here two and a half years ago. And, you know, they changed the date, so it's you know t <laughs> two um, uh, two QEDs ago, but uh, two and a half years ago. Um, it's it's. I think it's a standard setter um, in terms of conferences. I mean, I've organized uh, uh, along with other people, of course, um, several conferences, including some very large ones. We Tam Australia in 2010 was 630 people, which for Australia is huge because we have to remember that we are third, a third the size of uh, the, the population of Britain, but in, uh, but in a country the size of the US. Uh, so so having such a big conference obviously was was um, was huge. But, you know, I come here and it's just it's a I, I learned so much. I mean, I, I take I, I take notes all the time for the next conference that we're going to run. They're constantly innovative. The fact that they manage to keep it very cheap is also something that we want to learn from. Um, I'll, I can just give you, if you're interested, I can give you one example. You can always edit it out. Um, we have always, traditionally in Australia, fed people during conferences. Oh, interesting. We've always provided food. That, that, you know, we've had conferences, just so you know, we, are, we have the longest continuous uh, conference in, in a skeptical conference in the world we, we've been running continuously the first one was in 1985 and we've had one every year since we've always had food until 2014 in 2014 uh, we organized uh, the conference in Sydney and I was I was here um, the uh, before and and we just we decided to just we 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 don't need to feed people it's it's absolutely fine I was here six months before we just decided to drop it after we had already started organizing the conference because because I was here and I just thought that it just works. Yeah. You just have to make sure that you give people enough time. And, you know, the, these are little things, but they're very important in the way a conference is actually run. Things like the fact that the badges are double-sided so you don't have to constantly battle with your with your name tag to make sure that it's, the name is visible. All kinds of little things that are hugely important, but simply as somebody who attends the conference... It's just such a pleasure. It's um, it's a big conference. It's very well organized. You always know what's going on. Great speakers, great atmosphere, wonderful people. To, you know, it's, always I feel like I'm you know seeing old friends and making new friends. It's great. Yeah, that's wonderful. And uh, yeah, even um, we both volunteered two yeah. two and a half years ago. Um, and uh, I think uh, that's when we first met. And. Yes. Uh, And even a bit from the inside, it it looks even probably even even more phenomenal because because it it is very well put together, it's very well organized, and the amount of of work these guys put into this, um, that's 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 just amazing. So and this is this is arguably the largest uh, conference of it, of its kind in Europe. 
And yeah, well, it's definitely the largest in Europe. Um, I don't know that there are other ones that are even close. I mean, you might have, there might be small conferences, but but I don't think there's anything that's even close. But even in the U.S., you know, now that there's no TAM, I don't know how big um, um, Psycon is, but I don't think it's as big as this. Um, I, I can definitely say that Apostacon, which is another conf skeptic conference, um, wasn't as big, and it's in America. And they, I think they attracted about 300 people there. But, but, you know, I think it's important to... Size is not just about... I mean, obviously, the number of people matters, yeah. but it's also the... You know, one of the things that they've done this year is that they've, they have upwards of five, five uh, things happening at the same time on mm -hmm. some of, some of the, some of the uh, spots. Um, and I actually, I complained to Marsh. I said um, <laughs> it's um, that they've... I said, they got the channels really balanced, um, and I cursed him for it uh, because it means <laughs> you don't want to miss any of it. Yeah, no, it's, no, it's, no, it's a big yeah, problem missing yeah. things. So, yeah. so it's big in that sense as well. In the in yeah. terms of the number of options that you have, in terms of the the quality of the speakers that you have, the the, the uh, I would say the caliber of the speakers mm. that that they have here, it's really quite wonderful. But still, it is not very um, celebrity-like, uh, celebrity-based, the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Everyone is so approachable. Everyone is so sociable. With the, uh, and they, they mix with the, with the audience. Yeah, so because I've attended a lot of different skeptical conferences over the, over the past six, seven years, I can say that that is probably a feature of skeptical conferences. So you go to TAM, well, they're now defunct, Tam, but you go to Tam, you can find time. You can approach Randy and have a chat to him. So I'm giving yeah. that example because you would think, okay, the, the conference is named after him, you know. So you would think he's like it's the highest, you know, you can go, and yet completely approachable. And mm. and that is something that I found is is basically a feature of skeptical conferences. Okay. It's always very friendly. It's always about the community. It's always about creating contacts. It's always about just cre creating enthusiasm for additional activities. We all have a shared goal, a shared way of thinking. We obviously don't always agree on everything, but we, we do have a certain way of thinking that makes it, makes it a community. And I think that that is definitely a feature of all these conferences. And as the example shows, we are a global community. Um, <laughs> if if it happens again next year, shall we meet up here? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to commit. You see, the, the way I did it this year was um, I went to Nexus in May, um, and then I came back from Nexus, and so it was already um, it was already June, and actually got I, I got tickets. I, I I got the the tickets because I want to make sure that I you know I had the um you know the 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 Saturday night dinner and that I had the I had the ticket. I know the tickets sell fairly fast here, but I didn't buy my airline tickets yet, and I just I looked at my bank account and I said to myself, can I afford to go? And the answer was no. So I bought my airline tickets and, and, and um, yeah, and came. Anyway. Yeah, but that's the level of commitment. People fly from all across the world to come here, uh, even if they can't afford it. I think it's great. Yeah. Indeed. No, I, 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 I would definitely like to. I definitely plan to, but you know. I don't want to, I'm not in a position to make a commitment just right, yet. Right. But you'll do your best. Okay, absolutely. That's, that's good. Absolutely. We'll but on the, other hand, on the other hand, because I've already been here, sorry, sorry, I've already been here twice. And as far as I know, none of you have been to Australia, have Ooh, you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I've been to Australia, but not to any skeptic conference. All right. So have I, same thing. <laughs> okay, so, um, so I, 
just throwing the question back at you. Yeah, yeah. If you, I mean, <laughs> what's, what, so what's, what's, what's next for Australian skeptics? Uh, oh, skeptics? so I'm, um, I'm, not, I'm not liberty to say it on air. So you'll, I can tell you, I can tell you off air. Off air. Well, I'll tell you. There are things. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. No, but the thing is, you see, regardless of the things that I will tell you off air, there's a conference every year. All right. That's the thing that about Australia. Right. You true. can count that on it. Around this it time has of been year, so for around more than 30 years. <laughs> around this time, yeah, in Australia, every right. year. Yeah. Great. Well, if we will try our best. Yeah. And uh, oh, actually, that's made me a Patreon think. campaign. <laughs> oh, you know, you you asked me whether I'm going to be here next year, but I could be in Sydney or wherever the conference is next year. Hmm. Okay. So we'll, we'll see. Let's leave we'll it at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll definitely meet up again, yes, whether it's in Sydney absolutely. or yeah. Melbourne or, or Manchester. Absolutely. Or yeah. You know, right. and it, this, this resonates very well with uh, a lot of things that have been said today. Uh, but this world is not so big. It can be very, very small when it comes to uh, it's, it's bringing people together. It's only 22 hours. That's all it is. 22 hours on a plane. That's you know, all. That's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's leave it at that. All right. Around Sagev, thank you very much. Thank you, thank so you much. very much, Thanks. guys. Cheers. Thank you. The more we come come over here, the less people are unfamiliar. So, uh, we've met before. Yeah. Uh, we've even had an interview with uh, the lady in front of me, uh, who's Diana Barbosa and. Uh, Joao Monteiro. I was recently in, in uh, Madeira and uh, I, I have to tell you that my Portuguese is terrible. So, yeah, so who are you guys? <laughs> we're fine, we're a bit tired in, at the end of the first day of QED, but one more to go. Excited about it. Mm. Tomorrow's gonna be fun. Mm. And we just wanna keep on coming every year. Cool. Yeah. Then, then keep it up. Yes, keep it up, and uh, it's the continuation of the of the previous years. It were it was great last year. It's continuing being great this year. I'm enjoying these sessions of today. Uh, there are some difference this year. Uh, more sessions, parallel sessions. It's difficult to choose. Yeah, don't Do you I'm find it annoying? Pretend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's nerve-wracking. It is. But the, the, the previous years, it was already hard picking up between talks and panels. And now we have workshops and podcasts. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not even counting the movies. Yeah. But um, I haven't been able to go to a podcast yet. And I think I won't go, unfortunately, mm. because the panels and the talks are very uh, drawing, very attractive. I didn't to attend go to. The, pan the podcast, but I attend to the workshop and uh, the workshop about magic, and uh, I enjoy it a lot. Oh, great! Yeah, very interactive. Uh, not only the explain. Not only the explanation of the tricks were interesting, but also the explanation about what is behind the work of magic itself, the part of acting. Yeah. Uh, and how amazing was Brit this morning? It was just so moving, and her story is incredible. Yeah, we're talking about Brit Hermes. Um, she she used to be a, a naturopath, and uh, she she became a skeptic by exploring what it was really all about and then uh, and how unethical the whole practice was 
and uh, it was a very, very moving talk. And uh, in the end, very, it was a very well-deserved standing ovation in the end, which, which really, literally brought me to tears. Yeah, it was moving and she's very, very brave because I don't know if I would be able to do what she did, to just drop everything she was doing, drop her career, drop the money she was earning and reset everything in her life. Uh, All of us, or many of us, have been through changes and we all know how hard that is, but not something quite as big as this. we just have to really support her and hope that other people follow her steps. Yeah. And Captain Disillusion was so much fun. I have to confess that I didn't know him. I hadn't heard of him. And, but I, I will now. I will have a look at his channel. For the listeners who don't know probably who Captain Disillusion is, do you want to enlighten them? So he's... Um, I don't know if what his profession is, but he's famous for a video blogging series on YouTube, uh, debunking viral videos. And but he did his talk was not the standard one. He, did, he really did a show about it with with theater and and um, different characters. So it was great to kick off. It was great for 9 a.m. We all woke up very <laughs> nice and fun. And the QED organization, as always, is to be congratulated on the panels and, and the, the speakers they, that they have invited this year. Yeah, <laughs> Fantastic. One last thing. I think we, we forgot to mention where you're from and which organization you're uh, representing. We are from Portugal and we are representing Concept, Comunidade Cética Portuguesa. The Portuguese Skeptic Community, which, which this, this year has just been registered as a formal organization. We are now all grown-ups, we have to sign <laughs> lots of paperwork. And we hope that, and we hope that with that step, we'll be able to do many fun things in the future. Yeah, I wish I wish you all that, and uh, I'm pretty sure we're gonna be uh, bumping into each other on several other uh, events like this, and uh, look look forward to looking forward to collaborating with with your organization as well. Yes. And you're closer to Portugal now, so you must come visit. <laughs> just a small flight away. That might just happen at some point. Some point. But if not, if you're not welcome. there, you're welcome. <laughs> if not there, next year in Poland. We're Ro- gonna try to make it. Yeah, we'll try. Yeah. We've been speaking with the with the organizers, and they already have semi-organized uh, flight and travel plans for everyone. So we're gonna try and make it and join them for the first time, the European Skeptics Congress we've yeah. never been at. Cool. There always has to be a first. Yes. <laughs> it will be the next one. Cool. Okay. Thank Diana you. and Joao, it was very nice meeting you here again. And uh, yeah, hope to see you again very, very soon. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. This was our report from QED, Question, Explore, Discover, uh, recording in October 2016 uh, in Manchester, United Kingdom. But now, 
Let's see who's been really wrong lately. What exactly is it with quacks in Italy? That's my question. <laughs> we have we have Tullio Simoncini. Have we mentioned him on the show? No. Anyway, he has his baking soda cures cancer because it's a fungus scam ongoing. And we have Paolo Macchiarini and his fake throat surgery. Oh, yeah. And now we also have a guy called Davide Vanoni, uh, who is uh, treating diseases such as Parkinson, Alzheimer's and Huntington's disease with his homemade stem cell therapy. Davide Vanoni, who is a former psychology professor with no qualifications regarding stem cells, became interested in stem cells in 2007 when he uh, was uh, he received some experimental treatment himself in, in the Ukraine. Uh, then when he returned to Italy, he began treating patients with no control, no authorization by the national health system. Uh, the first treatments were, were administered in a beauty center in San Marino, so that sounds legit. <laughs> uh, and was advertised in several hospitals. They put leaflets in the hospitals proclaiming that more than a thousand cases were treated and the recovery was 70 to 100 uh, percent. To lead this, he created, Vanoni created the Stamina Foundation, which is, shocker, not at all a foundation. It is a for-profit company. It's just called a foundation. Uh, and he managed to get this treatment included in one hospital and then moved to another hospital and to another hospital. And uh, it was, the cost was about 20 to 50,000 euro per treatment. Uh, although, of course, Vanoni has repeatedly stated that he provides the medical care for free and the money he receives is only donations. That sounds legit, right? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he now drives around in a Porsche 911 registered in Switzerland and has a luxury mansion near Turin. In 2012, the Stamina Foundation was investigated by the Italian authorities. They woke up finally and said, what is this? Uh, because there were problems with safety, hygiene, and they found also a lack of documentation. The cell preparations that was injected did not contain any relevant quantities of the specified stem cells, and the stem cells were not able to turn into neurons, as, as is the claim. The idea is that you take stem cells or you take cells from the, from the bone marrow and you convert it into stem cells and then the stem cells are injected and then the stem cells are converted into neurons, which replaces uh, faulty neurons in the body. But it doesn't work. There's also quite a lot of dangerous pollutants in this. They found that in the, in the, what, the thing that they injected. Uh, there was uh, uh, medical records of 36 patients that they found, but there were no objective improvements in their conditions. Mm. Uh, so that that's that's bad, but it's good that they it got investigated. And last year, Vanoni was sentenced to 22 months in prison. Hooray! Mm. But that was suspended in a plea bargain, which stipulated that Vanoni stopped his activities. So. What, 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 what kind of a punishment is that? You get 22 months in jail unless you, ju unless you just promise not to break the law anymore. That, 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 that's, that doesn't work for me. Uh, I know. But anyway, that's how it worked. Uh, and, and so one would think that, um, 
this shady business uh, had been stopped now because he couldn't do it anymore. But not so. The problem with this plea bargain is that it's only valid in, in Italy. So earlier this year, a patient appeared in the Italian television show, in one Italian television show, to say that he had paid 18,000 uh, to Vanoni to be treated in Tbilisi in Georgia. Uh, and the treatments were not successful. That's why he wanted to go public on this. Uh, in a Facebook message in June this year, Vanoni put the text hashtag 750 uh, at the end, which is believed to mean that he has now performed 750 treatments. And this is compared to another Facebook message in last year, which ended hashtag 450. So business is apparently still booming. Mm. He just moved his quackery practice from Italy to Georgia and uh, continues today to uh, prey on desperate and innocent people. Always plenty of those. Yeah. Yeah, and they're all really wrong. Yeah, they're already wrong. So, this is why <laughs> Vanoni, Davide Vanoni, receives today's prize for being... Well, fuck it. Really wrong is not strong enough. He's, he's get this prize for being a fucking quack and a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> and you can tell him I said so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Indeed. <laughs> we will. <laughs> um, the the moment I meet him, I will tell him. Thank you very much, Pontus. Thank you. I think it's about time to finish the show, because uh, yeah, we, we're taking very very long with all these topics to talk about. Um, but uh, before we go, I'd like to mention one one other thing. For, for those speaking Spanish, El Escaptico f number 45 is due to be out very soon because it's it, it just left the print. So lots of topics like uh, mentioning Comsept, the, the Portuguese skeptics, some religion, some armchair skepticism, conspiracy theories and much, much more. So if you if you speak Spanish, uh, make sure you have a copy of that uh, very good skeptical journal. And uh, on that note, uh, skeptical journals, skepticism and debating stuff, I'd like to ask our very own Yelena to finish the show with a quote. Um, I want to finish it with a quote from French moralist and essayist Joseph Joubert. It is better to debate the question without settling it than to settle a question without debating it. <laughs> yeah, hear that, politicians? Hear that? Yeah, that's <laughs> very well put, I think. <laughs> I mean, going going on and on about a debate without settling it, it's not very nice because it's not very productive. But uh, going the wrong direction just because I wanted to, to close a debate, uh, close something and make a decision without uh, debating it, that's that's not a good direction either. So well, I think I think that that's where the dictatorship comes in. <laughs> yeah, mm. and that's that's their argument, and that's how they they gain support for their own dictatorships. That people people fall for that. People people uh, argue that it's good to have a productive system by not debating everything just for the sake of it, and that is to a certain extent a valid argument. But if you're not debating you're not going to find the right solution. Or your chances of finding it are very slim. That's it. And it all comes down to one ma one person making a decision based on who knows how much information. Yeah, like, I don't care. 
A dictator can say that. Exactly. I just want this over and done with. So, talking of, talking of which, <laughs> this this episode of the ESB is over and done with. So, thank you very much for joining me today, Yelena and Pontus. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. It's been so much fun, as per usual. Yeah, so, let's open this next year of podcasting into European skepticism. For the next year, guys. Ching, ching. Ching, ching. <laughs> ching, ching. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so, until next week, goodbye. Bye-bye. Goodbye. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe No? Okay. Uh, Awkward silence. <laughs> I didn't think of anything to say. Uh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I was I was making a pause just in case. That's good. Is that right? <laughs> it is, yeah. Brighton Skeptics in the Perfect Cap. <laughs> and on set. Sorry, start again. What? <laughs> <clears throat> I don't know what happened. Um... Hello. 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 <laughs> Hello. Hello. Okay. There. Should we continue then? Yeah. Whose whose turn is it? Me. Uh, Pontus. <laughs> Monsieur Buckmans. Monsieur Buckmans. Monsieur Buckmans.